with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, the first Eagles offseason edition where we can actually delve into where the Eagles are picking, what could be the potential targets. Things are coming a little more into focus. So I'm Chris McPherson, and the man with all the knowledge sitting across from me here, one Fran Duffy. Chris. And the man behind the scenes playing the glorious applause, none other than Brian Thomas. BT doesn't have a mic. He is silenced. He is silenced week. for now. He is silenced. So, how's it going to work in the offseason? The Journey to Drive podcast will drop every Wednesday and beginning February-ish, I guess. It's when you and Alex Smith return from the Shrine Game and Senior Bowl. We will start doing the video edition. Correct. Yeah. So, you can see our lovely, handsome faces. Each and every week. And you can count on the, the week starting of uh, January 18th. We'll have daily Journey to the Draft podcast Ooh. from the Shrine Game and from the Senior Bowl. Uh, so you can stay tuned for that as well. So please rate the show, leave comments and suggestions, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast. Make sure to send us your feedback. Uh, moving forward, the Eagles Insider Podcast will be on Mondays. The Eagle Eye in the Sky Podcast with Fran and BT will be on Tuesdays. And as I said, the Journey to the Draft will be on Wednesday. So, as we always do in this show, we're going to do a little draft buzz, go through the latest headlines, highlight Fran's Saturday scouting column, and even delve into some mock drafts. One Eagles writer, who's a uh, a friend of PhiladelphiaEagles.com, one Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice, does a full seven-round Eagles mock draft. Uh, we'll do our pick six, which this week is, Fran, it's players, it's underclassmen, who you have not yet scouted, is that correct? Correct. Six players that I have not yet studied, but I am very excited to do so because they have declared for the draft. And then last but not least, your questions, and I'll tell you guys some excellent ones this week. So let's kick things off here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. To kick things off here on Draft Buzz, we're going to go into Fran's Saturday scouting column, which actually dropped on Friday. Correct. This past week to get you ready for the weekend of bowl games. Um, let's start off with a little knee injury news. We're talking with our producer, Brian Thomas, who's had to retire from bubble ball because of knee injuries, unfortunately. He's saying he could still play soccer, which... Makes no sense to us. Yeah. Not understanding that. But. Um, and he doesn't have a mic, which is great because he can't defend himself. <laughs> um, but speaking of knee injuries, uh, we'll go into this matchup. You had Ezekiel Elliott, the running back from Ohio State, going against Notre Dame's Jalen Smith. And yeah. uh, a significant knee injury is what we know at this point. We don't know the full extent of it. Uh, the photos on, on Twitter and on social media were not pretty, to say the very least. But... Jalen Smith was a player everyone expected to come out and be a potential top 20 pick. Uh, some mock drafts still have him. You, you look at me crazy. Like, Am I right in the no, top 20? I, I, okay. think, I think that it's still possible. It's still possible, it's still certainly. Possible. 
Um, but nonetheless, uh, this is going to be the one of the key injuries to watch in the pre-draft process. Yeah, and I, I guess the big thing is we'll we'll hear for the official diagnosis and see what it actually is. And obviously, fingers crossed. Hope that it's maybe it's, it's a meniscus. You know, hopefully that's what this, the severity of it. Uh, and then it, you're talking a, a few months as opposed to a full year long rehab. But obviously, one of the most explosive linebackers in the country hasn't officially declared for the draft yet. He does have. I think it was a $5 million, some kind of insurance policy on himself. So uh, we'll see how much, if he does declare, how much will that affect his draft status and ultimately how much he's able to sign for. But just such a, a super talented player, you really hate to see him go down in the last game of the season. Uh, and then Ezekiel Elliott had a huge game. So uh, helped lead the Buc- Buckeyes to victory. Four touchdowns? Uh, four touchdowns in the game. It was, it was a ridiculous performance. He was He was outstanding. And uh, as our knee expert, knee expert uh, in the corner, BT pointed out, it may not even be the maybe it's not the the meniscus, maybe it's the MCL or the PCL, and it's not just a torn ACL. So we'll see, we'll hope we'll you know keep our eyes peeled for that. Brian Thomas speaking from experience here. Uh, the big question with Elliott is going to be not you know whether or not he'll be drafted. It's really just how high will he be a first round selection? Right. I've seen some mocks that don't have him go in the first round, and I've obviously I would say the majority do, where do you lie in that? I think, I think he's a first-round talent, you know, and I think that you know, I have to really continue to watch more and really get a feel for if I think he's better than Todd Gurley was last year. Ezekiel Elliott is an outstanding running back, though. I, I think he's a first-round talent. Now, you had the, the issue after that loss uh, a few weeks back at, to Michigan State where he called out the coaching staff. Then you had the uh, the issue, issue last week where he got uh, cited for driving with a suspended license. So there's you know some things, you, some questions teams may have to answer off the field. But uh, on the field, Ezekiel has a first round talent. We'll see where he ends up going. But I, I think he's pretty much he's the best running back in the draft. So as we wait to see how the quarterback pecking order will shake out this season, who might be the top one overall. One name to watch: Arkansas quarterback Brandon Allen. Outstanding bowl performance. Your thoughts, Fran, on the former Razorback? Yeah, I think that in any other quarterback class, a lot of people will be talking about Brandon Allen as kind of you know that sleeper that should go in the middle rounds and you know could rise up boards. I don't think that he's going to in this class just because I think overall the the depth of this group is so good. But you know, Allen's a guy who's got pretty light feet. He's not a, a really big kid. I think he's six two, uh, you know, two hundred and five pounds, a little bit undersized for the quarterback position. But again, has light feet. Showed the ability to be accurate. Showed the ability to make uh, throws on the run. The question will be his arm strength, and you know, can he sustain success down the field at the NFL level? That'll be the big question for him. But sure, certainly, will make some people, uh, you know, impressed. And I, I remember talking to Greg Cosell throughout the, the throughout the season this fall. Whenever he would catch games during the fall, he would say, you know, that Brandon Allen kid looks like he could be something. So. We'll see, and I, I know guys like Daniel Jeremiah have tweeted about him in the past and said that they've liked what they've seen. Uh, he'll be intriguing. He's going to be down at the Shrine game in a couple of weeks, so we'll get to see him down there. Greg Cosell's tough on quarterbacks, so if he likes someone... Well, he, I, I won't say that. Oh, yeah, he loved no, him. No, no, we don't want to put yeah, words in his sure. mouth. He did. He just, just from watching, you know, flipping through games and watching yeah. a little bit of Arkansas, so he thought that he was a little bit impressed off the cuff with, with Allen. All right, next matchup you had here. Now, we all know about Laquan Treadwell, expected to be possibly a top 10 pick, the receiver of Ole Miss in the upcoming draft. Arguably. Arguably, of course. Uh, the other receiver, though, has turned some heads. Cody Core. In fact, our good friend Tony Pauline uh, offered some praise for him this week. So, Did he? 
Uh, Ole Miss going against Oklahoma State. The matchup you were watching were the receivers going against Kevin Peterson, who you're going to see in a couple weeks. Yeah, Peterson will be down at the Senior Bowl, and I'll I'll going to be honest, I wasn't overly impressed with Peterson. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of areas that I thought that you know I would have liked to see better technique. I didn't think that he was overall an outstanding athlete, a guy that competed in a lot of different ways, but. I would have liked to see a little bit more. But, yeah, Cody Core is a guy who's interesting, uh, obviously playing on the opposite side of Treadwell. They've got a couple of young receivers down there as well that have made some plays for them. But he's 6'2", 200 pounds, uh, former defensive back. He's, and the guy can run. I mean, he's listed, he's estimated to be in the mid-4-4s in the 40-yard dash, shows the ability to be able to get off the line of scrimmage. I think that he's come a long way as a route runner. He does a really good job beating press coverage. I'd still like to see him improve a little bit in terms of his route running. But overall, I think he's an intriguing talent. He'll be down at the Shrine game, and we'll see him down there. Your favorite player in the draft, Laramie Tunsil. Yes. Am I correct in saying I, your, I, favorite, your number your the, the, I think he's the best, best player, player in the draft. Yep. Best player in the draft. I have to watch how I categorize sure. all these different things. Yeah. Can't put words in people's mouths, all that stuff. <laughs> Laramie Tunsil. So expected to be top five, could be number one overall pick. Officially um, declared for the draft this week yes, as well. Yes, so he is in the mix. Uh, going against Emmanuel Ogba, player we've talked about here on the podcast before. Uh, how much did you enjoy checking out this matchup? Yeah, it was interesting being able to watch it. And, you know, I thought that uh, they moved Ogba around a little bit and you got to see, see him matched up on both sides. But how about Tunsil catching that touchdown pass? Yeah. I mean, you see, <laughs> I know it's, you know, you laugh about it, but like, I mean, the guy's just a ridiculous athlete. And it's not just the fact that he's a ridiculous athlete. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the, the tackle Bruce Campbell coming out of Maryland a couple of few years back and mm-hmm. went in the third round to Oakland. He's not just an outstanding athlete. He's also uh, really, really tough, really, really competitive. And he plays with really good technique. He looks really clean in his pass set. He uses his hands well. He plays with good pad level. Uh, he knows how to use his, not only does he, you know, he's got the good punch placement, but he knows how to work his hands in the run game, knows how to get his body between himself and the defender and the ball carrier he just consistently does a really really good job at putting himself in position uh to move his offense forward and he's just a very very impressive player all right the last matchup you had we can just touch on this one quickly an edge rusher you're a huge fan of georgia's leonard floyd yep going against penn state's kyle carter tight end you know i don't know how much you got to watch see how much they actually matched up one-on-one in the game but uh, intriguing to see a pass-catching tight end presence who could make a, an impact at the next level going against a player who could be very well be a mid-first-round pick in the upcoming draft. Yeah, and I, and I was excited about the matchup because you have the the potential there for two different kinds of matchups. You have Carter you know, potentially staying in in pass protection against Floyd and passing downs, but then also when Carter's releasing out into the route, Floyd was used in coverage a lot more this year. So being able to see that potential one-on-one matchup was very, very intriguing. All right, so a lot of underclassmen, a slew of them, have declared for the draft in the last couple of days, and from the time we record this, there might be a few more added to the mix, but Frank, any names standing out to you in particular? Uh, the Stanford tight end, Austin Hooper, I thought was a guy that, you know, I thought that watching him last year, he was only a redshirt freshman watching him over the summer, and I thought that he was really intriguing with his talent. I thought the athleticism was there. I thought that he still needed to get stronger. He still needed to work to improve as a blocker. But you saw a guy that was able to do a lot of different things in the passing game. You know how they use those tight ends in that Stanford offense. So I was really excited to watch him this year. I haven't fully studied him yet you know, based off the 2015 tape. But a very, very interesting player uh, that really showed well when I, when I watched him last year. So excited to dig deep into him. Uh, he'll add to a tight end class that really, that really needs more depth. 
and then you've got Laquan Treadwell, obviously Hunter Henry, I think, for the tight end from Arkansas, has a chance to be the first tight end off the board. Vernon Hargreaves, a guy that a lot of people talk about. I mean, there are a lot of players have really uh, put, put their name into the hat here. Kaveri Russell as well as a corner that I got to see in person uh, at the Temple Notre Dame game, and I was really, really impressed with seeing him physically. Just a, It's going to be a, another good draft, a lot, of, a lot of talented players. You're salivating. I love excited. it. You've been able to transition from doing your Eagles game plan show each and every week and breaking down the X's and O's of the Eagles and their upcoming opponent. Now you can just full-on draft. What a time <laughs> to be alive. That was a perfect time for that drop. That was absolutely flawless. Nice job. Well done. Too. Well done, big. Uh, let's, speaking of Eagles and looking forward, how about some mock drafts? That's it. They're That's coming out. Woo! Well, what's, here's what's funny is, is that, and we, uh, this is obviously a bigger discussion, but with everything going on with the Eagles, of course, uh, with the coaching search, over the past three years, we've kind of gotten a sense of, okay, this is what Chip Kelly and what the staff is looking for at every position. Now we, we throw that all that out the window. Yeah. Now it's like any of these players that we can talk about, everyone's up for grabs. So exactly. we've got a corner who's 5'10", hey, bring it, bring it on. We, don't, <laughs> we, we have no idea right now. So uh, it's, it, we're really guessing here with mock drafts. All right, so why don't we delve into Jimmy Kemsky, who went all out and did the seven-round Eagles mock. So, again, the Eagles are picking 13th overall. They have nine total picks at this point in the draft. They have their first-round pick at 13. Uh, they don't have the second-round pick because of the Sam Bradford trade. They have two-thirds, thanks to a draft, dra- draft day trade last year with Detroit, two fifth-round picks, thanks to the Brandon Boykin trade, and two seventh-round picks, thanks to the Matt Barkley trade with Arizona. So, looking at Kemsky's seven-round mock, first pick, no surprise, an offensive lineman, Ohio State's Taylor Decker. I, th- I think Decker's intriguing. He's a big kid. He's got light feet. I think he got better as a senior than what he was as a junior, in my opinion. Uh, he has a lot of potential. He played left tackle. He's played right tackle. Big kid. I don't know that he's a guy that can slide in and play guard. I think he might be a little bit tall to play the guard position. But is he one of the 13 best players in the draft? That'll be, that'll be the question. When people want to bring up Taylor Decker, and obviously everyone knows about the needs along the offensive line, you can't fault them for, you know, for saying if the Eagles were to go this route, you can't fault them because of the needs there. But, but is he a guy that, can, uh, that is the th- one of the 13 best players in the draft? And that, that'll be the question to answer is, uh, is he a guy that can make the transition to guard? Will he be able to play right away? And is he one of the 13 best players in the draft? All right, so just highlighting the draft overall. So two offensive linemen, Parker Erringer, the uh, guard tackle from Cincinnati, went in the fourth round. Which is kind of where I see him. Okay. Two quarterbacks, Dak Prescott yep. from Mississippi State, goes in the third round, the second of the two third-round picks. William Jackson, the third, a corner from Houston, is the first of the two third-round picks. Uh, and then Jacoby Brissett from North Carolina State in the seventh round. I would think that it's more likely that you could swap those two quarterbacks. I think it's more likely that Brissett goes in the third and Prescott goes in the seventh. But still early. I think Brissett could go even higher than that. So we'll see there. I think William Jackson, he took in the second round, the corner. Uh, He's going to be down at the senior bowl. He's he's had a big senior season. Big kid, can disrupt early in the down. The question for him will be both at the combine and at the senior bowl, what kind of an athlete is he at the cornerback position? Because he's a big kid that can do some things to the line. But – can he run with receivers down the field? That'll be the big question that teams will have to answer. Uh, I love the Keenan Reynolds pick at the very end, end of the seventh round. The running back, so, yeah. Uh, making the transition. Uh, should have been a Heisman finalist as a quarterback in that triple option offense. He's going to play running back down at the Shrine game. So excited to see him in person when we go down there. All right, some other ones from some draft aficionados across the internet landscape. 
Dane Brugler from CBS goes with Jonathan Allen, the defensive end from Alabama. And Brugler notes that, hey, you don't know if the Eagles are going to be a 3-4 or 4-3 next year. Doesn't matter with Allen that he can play both odd and even fronts. Yeah, and they, and they move them all over the line. Uh, I've seen every service rank them as something different. Some team as a, uh, an outside linebacker or anywhere to a three technique, even to a developmental one technique inside. I've seen him in a number of different positions. But uh, a guy that's really intriguing, he's a junior, has not declared for the draft yet. Uh, said Thornton is a free agent, as Brian Thomas has uh, so wonderfully pointed out. Um, but that'll, that'll be the question. It, it, obviously, the scheme has a lot to do with it. So we'll see that moving forward. Uh, Josh Norris, a good friend, uh, annual guest on the podcast. I hope to have him on later on. Uh, this season as well goes with Cody Whitehair, the guard from Kansas State. I, I love Whitehair. Uh, the question will just be, and I know we've we've had a lot of these philosophical discussions over the course of the few, last few years. Josh is very much in support of taking interior offensive linemen higher than most people would. So, if you or would you be okay with taking a, a guard at thirteenth overall? I think Whitehair is an excellent player uh, and would fit what the Eagles, in theory, have done offensively. We'll see what the offense looks like moving forward. Certainly, um, But I think Whitehair is a, a very good player. Um, some other names who were available after the Eagles pick in a number of these mock drafts that I looked at, uh, Robert Kimdichie. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about him on the podcast as a potential top five pick. I believe he was Mel Kuyper's number one overall player on his big board. So he has slipped. Maybe the off-the-field concerns, lack part of, of production. All come to a factor. Leonard Floyd, know you're a big fan of big him. Fan. Um, one name who was picked consistently, I saw in the top ten of these mock drafts, was Mackenzie Alexander. Interesting, Clemson corner, and he's a name that you know. When I've heard Clemson, we've talked about Jaron Curse, the freak's nephew. Yep, but haven't heard Alexander's name come up. Um, what are your thoughts he, on him? Is, Alexander's an interesting guy, and I, I've only watched one game because at the point when I watched him in the middle of the fall. Uh, he hadn't declared yet, obviously, um, but they had been doing well. So I wanted to see, and you know, I know people were starting to talk about him. They play a ton of press man coverage on that team, so you got to see him in a lot of one-on-one situations. And they were not afraid to put him out in an island. Very confident, very competent man corner, uh, and do things really, really well in terms of uh, playing in off coverage and reacting to routes in front of him. I think he's a very good athlete for the position. The question will be. He's a little bit smaller, you know, and I'm not saying he's 5'9". He's listed, I think he's listed 5'11". 5'11", yes. So, you know, he's most likely probably in that 5'10 range. How high is that corner going to go? Uh, not many corners under six foot, or I should say under 5'11", have gone in the first round of the draft. He's got excellent quickness. He's got excellent ability to read routes in front of him and make plays on the ball. I'll be interested to see uh, where Alexander ends up going. Could he go the Jason Verrett route? Could be a late first round pick, and very, and that's the thing is he was a late first round. He wasn't a top ten pick, so uh, that would be interesting to watch. All right, so that's going to do it for us here on Draft Buzz. Now let's transition to pick six. Now it's time for pick six. All right, for this week on pick six, we're going to delve into the underclassmen, and these are players who Fran has not yet had the privilege to look at but is looking forward to doing so. And we'll start things off with a running back from Indiana, Jordan Howard, who is a transfer from UAB who ran for over 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns yeah, this season. He, he was very, very productive. He took over uh, in that role for Tevin Coleman a year ago. He was a third-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Howard is very, very intriguing. Again, he's a 6'1", 225-plus pound running back. 
uh, was very, very productive this year in that offense. The question will be, he, did, he had a knee scope back in mid-November. He caused him to miss some time. But our good friends over at Roto World have pointed out that he has averaged at least 145 yards a game in all the games that he finished this year. Was very, very productive in that scheme. And they've always they've continually put up very good numbers in that run game. So uh, I'll be very, very excited to watch him. Again, started his career at UAB. When they canceled the program, he transferred out, uh, ended up in Indiana, was very, very productive, declared for the draft. I've heard some people think that he could be a top five running back in the class. I've heard other people think that he maybe is a kind of a late-round pick. So either way, very excited to, stu- to study him. How about Arkansas offensive lineman Denver Kirkland, 6'5", 343 pounds, and uh, he's the starting left tackle was played center during his career, and uh, Mel Kuyper has him as a potential late first, early second yeah. pick. Yeah, and I know. I think that's what he had. I think the quote from him was uh, that he was right on the edge of being that first-round type talent. You know, Arkansas has long bragged, especially since Bielema has been there, that they have the largest offensive line, not only in college football, but also in the NFL. And you talked about his size. He's 6'5", 300. Wait, 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 wait. NFL. NFL. What? Yep. So <laughs> across, anything, he's got, they've got the largest what? offensive line in the entire country. Kirkland's the starting left tackle there. He's played inside as well. You know, I think that a lot of people see him as one of those big physical maulers that's probably more fit to play inside as opposed to the tackle spot. But I'm very excited to watch him. A lot of people, again, are very, very high on him. I didn't put a ton of, ton of time into watching him specifically. I've watched a lot of that run game. I've watched Brandon Allen. So I've seen them on tape. I've watched Hunter Henry. But I haven't focused solely on Kirkland. So I'm excited to dig into him deeper and watch. And for all of you people listening out there, Beat me, beat me to the punch. Go, go and watch some of these guys on Draft Breakdown and uh, let me know what you think. Look at you giving the plug out there. Oh, go ahead. Go, go Give them a watch. All right, next Teach up. Teach me something. A Maryland defensive lineman, Quentin Jefferson, comes at 6'3", 285 pounds, uh, decided to declare early because of the coaching change sure. at Maryland. Yeah, they had the coaching change, and then also he's married with kids. So obviously a, a very different kind of situation uh, for Quentin Jefferson. He tore his ACL early on in the 2014 season, came back. Uh, they shifted him inside to defensive tackle. He was very, very productive this year. I want to say he had over 21 tackles for loss on the season and then maybe six or eight sacks. I mean, he was very, very productive inside for them. Uh, another underclassman, front seven player for them, also declared in Yannick Nguikwe. So it's a, it's a pair of very intriguing athletic front seven players. Jefferson's a guy, again, 6'3", 285. The way that he's been described to me, I've, I've got friends that are down there He's been described as a guy that can play a number of different positions at the NFL level, a very good kid who, can, who knows how to use his hands, and really if he can just get with the right coach, he can be molded into a very, very intriguing player. So I'm excited to watch Jefferson. All right, up next you've got Boise State edge rusher Kamalai Correa coming at 6'3", 244 pounds. Yeah, our, our good friend uh, Tony Pauline has been all over this kid that he was going to declare for the draft. I, I feel like back in September he was saying, oh, yeah, he's going to declare. Uh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah was actually just tweeting about him the other night said he's not polished as a pass rusher as far as his technique, but he gets by on his pure speed and his agility as a pass rusher. And we've talked about how this edge rush class has more of those power, leverage, strength at the point of attack type players, and it's really kind of light on those bend-the-edge type rushers. So Korea could fill nicely in a, in a draft class that's looking for those type of players. All right, up next, could have just done a pick six on the Ohio yeah. State players who You're are declaring. Uh, safety Tyvis Powell. Powell, 6'1", 207 pounds. Yeah, he was a three-year starter. Uh, apparently, he did not receive a first or second-round grade from the committee, but he said it doesn't matter. I want, I want to declare anyway. I'm ready for the league. 
Uh, Ohio State has a ton of guys leaving early. Cardell Jones, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa, uh, Deron Lee, Eli Apple, Jalen Marshall, the receiver. I mean, a ton of guys. That's not even counting the seniors like Decker and, and Braxton Miller. I mean, just a huge group from the Buckeyes declaring for the draft. Powell, 6'1", 207 pounds. They're expecting his safety mate, Von Bell, also to declare. So, very, very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to watch Powell. A lot of people that I know that cover that, you know, that look at that team very closely on a weekly basis have said, you know, some really nice things about him as a player. So I'm excited to watch him closer. So when I think of Big 12 action, especially Baylor, I don't think of defense. Yeah. The corner is Avian Howard. No. Piqued your interest. Yeah. Because he's 6'2, 200 pounds. And here's what's interesting. Okay. He's got, obviously, he's got the great size. He had five interceptions this year. So I love the fact that he had great production on the ball. We'll see what those interceptions look like. Sometimes those numbers can be a little bit deceiving. But uh, he had great production on the ball. We talked about the size. I want to see what kind of athlete he is. Now, because his bio has him listed as a 4.48 in the 40-yard dash on, on Baylor's website, 4.48, and a 6.69 in the three-cone. We're talking about all these athletic numbers already. It feels like we're getting ready for <laughs> Indianapolis. But you know that I, li- I like taking those numbers, and I kind of stack them up against players in his position over the last five years. Certainly, the, That three-cone time of 669 would put him just outside the 90th percentile of all corners drafted in the last five years. And that would be a good time for any corner, you know, for Mackenzie Alexander, if he ran that, that'd be great. Mackenzie Alexander's 5'10", you know, we talked about 190 pounds. If this kid's 6'2", 200 pounds and can run that well and has ball skills and has the athleticism, the quickness in and out of breaks, you're talking about a really fascinating, intriguing player. So I'm excited to watch Howard. We'll see if the, the size matches up, if the athleticism matches up, and if the ball skills match up. Do you ever knock some of these like Big 12 defensive teams if they post big interception numbers because of how often they throw the ball that you figure you're just going to have more opportunities to do so? No, I'm actually, I look forward to being able to see how the guy can play the ball in the air. Gotcha. Because you know, I, just, I just want to see how he plays it in the air. Sometimes you see... Uh, you know, I can think back to the kid from Louisville last year who had all the picks and won the Jim Thorpe Award. Safety. Uh, uh, Holloman, Drott Holloman. Yes. You know, a lot of those plays, yeah, were nice plays. Some of them fell right into his hands. I can think back to Jeremy Cash this year, uh, or last year. He didn't have any picks this year. Last year, he had three picks that, went, that fell right into his hands. So, you know, you kind of look and say, okay, how did he get those interceptions? What, what kind of plays were they? Uh, if Howard had five legitimate interceptions where he was able to get in phase with the receiver, stay with him downfield, turn and find the ball late, I mean, that's, that's outstanding. So uh, excited to see what the traits look like and how he looks like on tape. So that's our pick six players who Fran is yet to watch among the underclassmen but is looking forward to doing so. So we're now going to transition to our final segment for this week's edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, and that is your questions in our mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, we hit the... All right, so I put the request out on Twitter, at Eagles Insider, and also Fran Duffy was kind enough to retweet it uh, Monday afternoon, and a ton of great questions came in. What's that time of year? It is. Well, it's a lot of intrigue about the team because coaching search, what's going to happen to the quarterback, what's going to happen with the roster overall. Uh, so let's delve into these questions. The first one comes from at KMJR underscore 04. Wants to know what's happening with the personnel department now that Chip Kelly and Ed Manowitz are no longer with the team. You know, I think that the, the whole personnel department is still working as is. You know, they're working to find the best possible players. And all the, all the area scouts are all focused on their area. They're working, you know, obviously the, the games are pretty much over. You got the national title game, but they're all doing what they normally would have done if the coaching staff was still intact, if Ed Manowitz was still here, all those guys are doing all the same things. Now it's just a matter of once a new coaching staff is in place, 
Then they find out, okay, what are the specifics they wanted every position? Now here are the players you need. But all those guys, they all know, hey, here are the, be- here are the top 150, 200 players in my area. Here's what, they- what skill sets they provide. You tell me what you want, and I'll, give you- I'll narrow this list down to-, to 75, and we'll go from there. Uh, so all those guys are all working as, as they normally would this time of year. It's a bit of a challenge, though, because, no like is. you said, you could pretty much figure out what does Chip want in a player. Now you don't know, and as each day ticks by, you're getting closer and closer to the all-star games well, and the draft. And this is why we always, you know, I always see the reports. Number one, we see them at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game. Oh, t- you know, Team X was talking to Player A. Well, and then we also see in the fall, oh, well, you know, the, the, the Eagles were at the, at the Notre Dame game. They must have been watching uh, Jalen Smith. And I was like, oh, okay, well, they could have been watching, uh, you know, any of the other dozen players on Notre Dame that could possibly be entering the draft or any of the other dozen teams, the opponent that are there entering the draft. They, you know, they're looking at everybody. Everyone, yeah. Every team is looking at every player and is checking out every single player at every position because that's what those scouts are there for. Their, their, their job is to scout the players in their area. So uh, you know, they're, they're going to write the reports on every single player because if they have the opportunity to draft them, if they have the opportunity to sign them after the draft, uh, they have that report they're hanging their hat on. Now it's just a matter of whittling it down and saying, okay, what is the best scheme fit? Who are the players that fit what we want? Those guys are still going to do their job in collecting all the data. It's what's good having Tom Donahoe run the day-to-day no operations question. of the personnel department at this point. Long-time GM, plenty of experience, so he's a good guy to have in this transitional phase. Absolutely. Next question comes from at tbolt10 on Twitter. Wants to know who are some of the scheme-diverse defensive linemen uh, who could be in play since we don't know what the defensive front will be. And uh, we mentioned the mock draft earlier. The lineman from Alabama, who Jonathan Allen, who could play both and tackle. You even mentioned outside linebacker. Uh, he's projected by some outlets to be. Who are some other D linemen who could be like a Fletcher Cox? Hey, four three three four. That's it. He'll play. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that this is a good group of defensive linemen, and, and depending on if the Eagles want to try and address that position, I think that there are a lot of different ways that you can go. You know, I think to a guy that I really, really liked watching on tape. I think he's probably a first-round pick is Jihad Ward, the, the defensive lineman out of Illinois. He plays defensive end in their 4-3. I think he's more of a three-technique at the next level. He's 6'5", 295 pounds. You know, Oklahoma, Charles Tapper, 6'4", 283. I've talked about him numerous times in this podcast, a guy that I think can play a number of different positions along a defensive line. Kenny Clark, who declared for the draft from UCLA, 6'3", 308 pounds, known more for his ability to defend the run. He's got really strong hands, but he's got really light feet as well, has the ability to get into the backfield and make plays. Sheldon Rankins from Louisville, we've talked about him in the past. Uh, Todd McShay had him to the Eagles in the first round. I think it was two weeks ago, 6'1", 304 pounds. Probably just, you know, you look at those guys, probably the best in terms of overall talent. But, again, I think it's a really good group along the defensive line. A lot of versatile talents there. All right. Time for you to get a little controversial, Fran, since I know where you fall on this. Okay. At Mick on Twitter wants to know, should the Eagles target wide receiver Laquan Treadwell? I think that if you want to spend another first-round pick on a receiver, I mean, you just did it last year. You spend a second and a third the year before. Uh, I don't know if you feel that that's the those are the the way you want to allocate those assets, but you it's Megaquan though. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think that here's the thing. I I think Treadwell's a good player, and I think that coming into the year, a lot of people were really hyping him up as a you know as a top five pick. I certainly didn't see him that way based off 2014. Now he lost 18 pounds coming into the year. Uh, I think that he's gotten better at the line of scrimmage, getting off press coverage. I'd still like to see him develop as a route runner. He's always been great at the catch point. I like that he lost the weight because he looks a little bit more athletic. He's got a little bit more juice in his legs. 
Uh, so I'm not worried as much about him being able to separate. Still, though, you know, we, I've compared him in the past to an Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey was a second-round pick. Would he have been a first-round pick if we knew what he was going to be? Sure. But, uh, you know, I think that overall the question, again, will come to, is Laquan Treadwell one of the 13 best players in the draft? That still remains to be seen. We've got to see who else is going to throw their name into the mix here. Um, but I, I wouldn't rule anything out for sure at this point. You weren't as high on Devontae Parker last year. No, I was not. I was not. And I know he started to make some play. I, I definitely like Treadwell more than I like Parker, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that, there's no question about that. All right, so next uh, question comes from at Jeremiah7E on Twitter. Who is your favorite offensive line prospect not named Laramie Tunsil or Ronnie Stanley out of Notre Dame? Overall, I'd probably say Cody Whitehair. You know, he plays left tackle for Kansas State. We talked about him earlier. Josh Norris had him mocked to the Eagles in his mock draft. I think that you know, you've got Cody Whitehair, who a guy that's got great athleticism. He's tough. He's nasty. He uses his hands really well. He's got really strong hands at the point of attack. He's really tough to shed. Again, I liked his athleticism, his ability to get up into space uh, and take on linebackers and defensive backs at the second and third level. I think he's a guy who's really, really intriguing. He's battle-tested. Uh, I'm very excited about Cody Whitehair. Overall, again, the, the question will be, you know, are you going to take a guy that high who's going to play the guard position most likely at the next level? A uh, couple questions uh, along these lines. This one we'll take from at Downtown Eagle. If Adam Gase, who is reportedly interviewing for the Eagles head coaching position, uh, nothing official on that front yet, does become the head coach, do the Eagles draft Jared Goff out of Cal? That's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that you know everyone's going to talk, be talking about Goff there at the, at the top of the draft. I think people right now are still talking about Paxton Lynch at the top of the draft. Certainly looked very, very talented early in the season. And there's no question, you know, I, from what I saw, I watched, I think I watched three or four games early in the year. The arm strength, the, yeah, the light feet, the ability to drop balls into a bucket down the field, 30, 40, 50 yards downfield. The guy's got a great arm and he's got a great touch down the field. But uh, look, the, the last part of the year, we talked about it after I saw him in person at the Temple game, looked a little banged up. Had, had a bowl game where he didn't put up great numbers. And I, I still want to continue to watch more film from the second half of the season. Uh, but for some reason, it seems like they pulled the reins back on that offense a little bit for whatever reason, you know, whether it was an injury to, to Lynch or an injury somewhere maybe on the offensive line, you know, somewhere along the lines, that offense kind of changed the, their tone a little bit. So I'm interested to find out why that was the case. But uh, certainly a very talented player. I'm excited to see what happens with Lynch now that he's officially entered the draft, uh, how that narrative continues to turn. Uh, follow up to that. This comes from at Rich underscore Bobby on Twitter. Uh, Fran, which quarterbacks do you project to be middle to late round picks who could become legitimate starters down the line? The first is Christian Hackenberg. Yeah, I, I think that a team will have trouble validating Christian Hackenberg as a first or second round pick at this point uh, just because of what he's put on tape. I, and you, we've said this in the past, great talent. No question. His arm talent is outstanding. He's a big kid who can throw it and he can hit it from anywhere in the field. The, the question is, is the erratic throws at times, you know, there were times where it's an easy pitch and catch and he puts it, you know, either into the stands or he's killing earthworms, you know, for no reason. Um, you know, I think that that offense, that system, that uh, that situation with personnel was not ideal. But a, a guy who obviously he has the look of an NFL quarterback. Will he go in the first or second round? I would say probably not. But a guy that if you get him into the right system and you get him with the right coach, can they fix some of those issues? That'll be the question. So can he develop him into a, into a starting quarterback? Can Jacoby Brissett be a similar type player? Or can Nate Sudfeld develop into something? He's a guy that I've always kind of had my eye on from Indiana. Jeff Driscoll, who uh, really has kind of risen from the ashes as a Florida Gators transfer now at Louisiana Tech, 
looked very good this year, and he earned himself a Senior Bowl invite. So uh, can Jeff Driscoll be a mid-round guy that can develop into something down the road? All right, next one. Let's go back to the offensive line. This comes from at Senor Vino on Twitter. Wants to know, can they find who are some of the good offensive linemen who could be found in the middle to late rounds? That's a good question. You know, I think that if you're talking middle rounds, you know, I think a, a Landon Turner from North Carolina is, is one of those guys who's a senior that people have been talking about in that vein. Parker Enger from, uh, from Cincinnati we've talked about earlier in the, in the, in the show from uh, Cincinnati. Spencer Drango from Baylor we've talked about numerous times. A lot of people thought Spencer Drango was a first or second round pick. Uh, Nick Martin, Zach Martin's younger brother from Notre Dame. All these other players. I mean, I think that this is a really good group in terms of the middle rounds of the draft for the offensive line because you've got guys Cody Whitehair, Joe Dahl, Vidal Alexander, Connor McGovern, you know, Max Turk, Christian Westerman, uh, Sebastian Tritola, Josh Garnett. You know, I really like this Graham Glasgow kid from, from Michigan. I mean, there are a lot of really intriguing players in the middle of this draft that can play on the inside at guard, uh, can potentially flex out the tackle as well. It's, a, it's an intriguing draft for those, you know, that second to fifth round area for the offensive line. All right, Fran, last question for you. This one comes from at Hardhead All Day. He wants to know who are the best pass rushers in this draft and how does the Eagles defensive scheme impact who they might target at that position? Well, it's an interesting question because, you know, you look at what this defense can become. And if you talk about 3-4 versus 4-3, you know, you've got Vinnie Curry, who is a free agent. But, you know, if he's brought back into the fold, uh, you've got Vinnie Curry, you've got Brandon Graham, you've got Barwin, who could potentially play as a defensive end. He could play as a Sam linebacker, Marcus Smith. What can he be? We talked about him on the inside, Eagles Insider podcast this week. What can he be moving forward? A really strong end to his season this year. You know, I think that overall, if you're just looking at – if you want a dynamic pass rusher regardless, Leonard Floyd's the guy at 13, you know, from Georgia. And I think that he's – Probably the best overall pass rusher in the draft in terms of that guy that's explosive off the ball and can bend the edge. But, you know, I, that'll be a good question is when the new coach is hired, when the new defensive coordinator is hired, what kind of defensive scheme will that be and how will it adjust the, the plan moving forward into the offseason? When did the running celebration become a big deal? The running celebration. I, see, I saw a, an ESPN Vine where it was just like all players doing touchdown celebrations with the little run. Run in uh, place type thing. That's a good question. I don't. I don't this know is completely out of left field. It was yeah, just I, that, I was not. I was not expecting this question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I have no idea. That's a good question. We'll have to do some research into yes, that one. So I think so. Uh, you got the you know temple connections. You're still tied into college football. So I thought <laughs> maybe get a better. Well, the, BT is more into that in terms of like the, the hot celebrations. Certainly. So BT will have to provide some insight when he can he's speak. Doing, He's doing a little, little whiteboard drawing yeah, for us still, here. I, who knows what he's talking about. All right. Uh, before he does something that we're not going to want to discuss, then uh, why don't we wrap things up here? So, oh, anything? It's the Ritz-Carlton. Ah, the Ritz-Carlton. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, there there we, go. we go. He's doing it. Yes. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Again, the Eagles Insider will drop every Monday. The Eagle Eye in the Sky will be every Tuesday. Make sure to rate the shows and leave comments and suggestions wherever you consume your podcast. For Fran Duffy and BT Behind the Scenes, I'm Chris McPherson. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week.